For close to four years, Kip has been the touring and recording drummer for Nashville artist Devin Dawson. Kip was the drummer on Devin's highly acclaimed first record produced by Jay Joyce. Kip also played on Devin's second record that's soon to be out as of this recording. This record was also produced by Jay Joyce. One of the reasons why we were excited to have Kip as a guest is not only is he a great player, he's done really well within the Nashville music scene, he's also done a great job cultivating a large following on Instagram. He has close to 5,000 followers, and if you go on and, and see the videos that Kip has posted and produced, you, you can see why. The things you see are very applicable to those that are recording and creating drum sounds in the studio. He also has a very creative approach to his playing, and I feel like this is also very applicable to those that want to work with songwriters, producers, and engineers in music today. It's excellently done, and we get into that in this conversation. If you're interested in finding out more about this episode and all of the over 250 episodes that we've done here at Working Drummer Podcast, you can find us at workingdrummer.net. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Stitcher, iTunes, where you can subscribe to us. You can also follow us and subscribe to us on Spotify. Check us out there. If you are interested in helping to support what Zach and I do here at the Working Drummer Podcast, patreon.com slash working drummer is where you can go to do a monthly donation that helps support what it is that we do. As we have grown, our expenses have grown along with us, and uh, we've been able to knock out a few of those expenses this year with the help of our patrons that are over there at Patreon. And if you do sign up to donate even as little as a dollar, you have access to educational material that we are regularly populating on that page that as a patron of Patreon, you have exclusive access to. Most recently, we did a masterclass here in Nashville. If Patreon isn't your thing, then we have a PayPal option on our website. You can go there and make a one-time donation. We appreciate everyone's help over the years in keeping this podcast going strong. So here's my conversation with Kip Allen. I'm learning that you don't have to be this savant of a drummer, but if you have incredible tones and incredible sounds coming out of your house, people will hire you much quicker than they would the savant with okay sounds. Yes. That's the way I've been seeing my practice time lately. So I've been really splitting off, not just drumming in the practice room, but I'll walk in and I'll fire up whatever Pro Tools logic and start going and I'm like, okay, I'm going to work on the snare sound today and I'll not only just start with the computer, I'll take my headphones off. I'll tune the snare to where I think it should be. Mm -hmm. And then I'll put the mic on it and realize that I completely screwed it up and I'll be like, okay, now how can I dig myself out of this hole? Should I tune it again or should I EQ it? Should I compress it differently? So I just start trying to figure it out Mm -hmm. and yeah, but sometimes it's hard when you don't have something to build tones around. So like 
if I'm just getting drum sounds. Yeah. Don't have a song in front of me. Don't have a vibe. I'm just like, okay, let's just get sounds. That's when it can get a little hairy because you start to go crazy and like, okay, I'm going to make the snare sound like this. Then I'm going to make Tom sound super weird and no, 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 Just you just keep going. And all of a sudden you realize at the end of it, you're like, oh my God, I have a horrible drum sound. It sounds muddy and discombobulated because it's, I'm trying to make everything the focus, if that makes sense. I'm trying to make the toms the focus, the kick the focus, the snare the focus. Mm-hmm. I've noticed sometimes if you just make one or two things the focus, and by the focus, I mean like the strong suit of the, the sound. Right. So the snare, maybe I want it to just be so in your face, just, just like, oh, it's like a smack to the face. Mm-hmm. But then the kick can't be huge as well because if it is, it may not fit with the song. It may not fit with the sound, the overall sound image of the kit. Mm-hmm. So that's things I've been learning in practice time. <laughs> but So are you writing songs? Or are you coming up with loops to... Yes. Yeah. So I'm always... I mean, you've seen the Instagram yeah, videos. Yeah. Most of those are the products of those practice sessions. Uh-huh. So most of those are like... I use Splice a lot just to get loops to play with. So I have a sonic like basis okay. so I can be like okay this is the loop this is how it sounds this is how much low end it has okay now how do I fill it, fill the rest of the sound with drums the loop itself the yes. low end in the loop right the whatever and sometimes I'll add low end or bass or I'll build a loop out uh-huh. but I'm and not really as concerned with that side as much as I am the drums because when I'm making these I'm making them for Instagram for drummers to watch I'm not really making them for people to like listen to and write a song to yeah so it kind of definitely focuses on drums more. Yeah. But I try to like have a little more things that are interesting because I get bored watching just drums sometimes, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> yeah. But that's just me. Well, I mean, it, it all informs in, in what, how you're going to approach playing and right. the non-drummers that hire you right. are going to want something that you can bring to the table right. for them. They don't want to just see me chop out. <laughs> no. They want to see like, oh, he can, he can do that. Yeah. Okay, cool. That's good to know. He gets sounds like that. Cool. Good to know. And, and Splice uh, is... Uh, it's like a sample website. Gotcha. Yeah, you yeah. just download samples off of it. Sure. I think I pay like eight bucks a month and you yeah. get a hundred samples a month. I use it a lot in producing and like electronic pop, whatever mm-hmm. stuff. I do a lot of writing as well. So yes. that's okay. really helpful for writing. Yeah. I want to ask you about that. How did you get here in your practice time? Um, doing the recording stuff. Yeah. Being pissed off that I couldn't get sounds like all the other drummers on Instagram. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) I was just like, how, how are they doing this? And I have to remind myself, like they might have 15 years of experience on me Mm. and they may have 15 years of experience with the gear they've had for 15 years. Yeah. So they know it way better than I could ever know my gear, which Mm. is fair. Mm -hmm. So basically I learned that, I need to put in a lot more time and a lot more effort into making my drums sound the way I want them to. And if I start little by little day by day at a time in five years, I might look back and be like, Whoa, look at the sounds I'm getting now. Yes. But with Instagram, I can, I can track the progress. It's like practicing anything. Billy Ward talks about that. You Mm -hmm. know, it's like if I have half an hour to practice, sometimes I may take 10 minutes to just work on hi-hat yeah or vacuum my practice room <laughs> right that's important <laughs> every time i vacuum i'm like oh my gosh like where'd all these stick sheddings come from i see the inside of the vacuum and i'm like oh yeah 
or nail bitings. <laughs> That's a bad one. I need to stop that. Okay, yeah, yeah. I bite my nails. I'm like, ah. No, I think this. I think it's really important. I think because there, we feel like there's only so much time we have to physically make progress. Yes. On on the drums and depending on what you want to do with mm-hmm. your drumming, a lot of times when you are hired, let's just use a session for example. Right. The songwriter, the engineer, the producer, they're not only looking to you to perform, but they're also looking at you to provide the tone and the yes. sounds. And this has come up on the podcast often where guitar players are obsessed with tone mm-hmm. and drummers often are not. Yes. But I feel like we're living at a time when drum tones are more the responsibility of the drummer than ever before because we're also playing engineer, we're also doing this and that. Mm -hmm. But electronic music and change in technology has changed the way people think about what the role of a drummer is. Right. For example, I feel like snare sounds (laughs) sound more like white noise Yes, because of the way people would program drums on old drum machines and that old white noise became really cool. Yep. And so then they bring a drummer in. All right, let's do this. And your snare drum sounds like a snare drum. A st- <laughs> I don't Whoa. want that. I don't want that. <laughs> you know, and that? so opportunities to try alternate tunings and these guys from big fat snare drum to come in and introduce mm-hmm. this whole new palette of things and, but I, I, I so appreciate this conversation and you saying this is part of my practice because it's why do we practice? Right. To get good and why do we want to get good so that we can get work? Yes. But what's valuable to those that are hiring us? Mm. And yeah, I mean, you're a great player. Thank you're you. obviously great, a wonderful player. But and, and I want to bring this up. I want you know been following you and watching your Instagram playing and all that stuff, and then uh, a couple nights ago I was watching some of your senior recital. Oh ho ho! And I'm like, wow, that's great. The really Belmont co- one, the, the, the Belmont one, or the, the Belmont? I think the Belmont like from 2016. Yeah, it'd have been the Belmont one. Belmont cool. one. Yeah. Okay. I just curious. I was like, I don't think there's stuff from my senior like high school one. I was like, hmm. <laughs> I'm like, uh oh, what's he dug into? <laughs> But you you play really well. You sound great. Thank you. But there's a maturity. There's an approach to the way you play now. Like, they're both good, but there's something... There's more musicality. There's more space in your playing now. Something I work on. Space. Yeah. Always. I tell people that all the time. That's something I've talked about since I was a freshman. I'm like, how do I find more space in between each of my notes? They're like, huh? Like, huh? Just need to find more space. It needs to breathe. Yeah. Something I always notice with Steve Jordan. Okay. I was a huge Steve Jordan fan in college. I still am, obviously. But sure. I don't obsess over him as much as I used to. Uh-huh. But um, yeah, it, I always noticed that he had so much... He had such a unique amount of space in between his notes. And that's what makes it feel so good. And it feels so like him. And I've noticed that over the years of watching many different drummers and finding how amazing how all these amazing drummers is that I'm just like, they all have a different way of looking at space in between their notes, Mm -hmm. whether they know it or not. Sure. Which in some ways I want to like dig into it and be 
mindful of it, but I also don't want to because I want it to sound like me. Mm-hmm. I don't want to go so deep into a player that I'm like, all of a sudden I start sounding like them. That's the scary part. It's not a bad thing, but I don't want to sound just like someone because at the point that I'm at, why wouldn't they just go hire them? Sure. Like let's, I mean, you could take Sterling. I already mentioned him for example. Yeah. I'll, I'll probably mention him a lot. I freaking love him. He's yeah. such a sweet dude and an incredible drummer. Yeah. And he was the one, he's the one that I obsess over his tones Yes, at home. So you could, you could take him for example. And if so many people want to sound like him and they want their drums to sound like his, but it's like at the same time, he's so accessible. Why wouldn't they just call him? Right. Why would they call you over him? Cause we're probably gonna be, I mean, I'm sure he's more expensive, but at the same time, if they could get Aaron Sterling and pay an extra whatever dollar, mm-hmm. why wouldn't they? So yeah. why not try to be you and make your own stamp? And then all of a sudden everyone wants to call you and everyone wants to be like you. Yeah. That's kind of the way I look at that. Yeah. If that makes sense. <laughs> no, it does. Because uh, when you say like where I'm at and where you want to be and, and all these different things, it's like, no, I want to be doing, I want to be working in the studios mm-hmm. where Aaron works. Yeah. I want to be working with the type of artists that Aaron works and producers. Yeah. Which you have. Yeah. But it's it's about seeing and having a vision for who you are and what you want to be as a, as opposed to oh well there's there's Aaron and and I'll always be you know Under like, no, no no how do I carve my niche? Right. I don't have to be better than him. I don't have to be the same as him. It's not, that's not the point. It's not a competition mm-hmm. as a lot of people try to make it a competition. And I've been in that boat before mm-hmm. I've caught myself being like competitive with someone. I'm like, why, why am I being competitive with you when we play so differently and we have our own lives and our own worlds that we can both be successful in. Experiment, point the mics at the drums. You're going to find different ways that work for you and work for your room. And I had never really thought about the room before. And I had, but not like, not like the way I do now. I really try to play to each room very specifically now. But that's not easy. <laughs> it's easy when you're in one room as your home. You can start to learn what works, what doesn't work. Like in my room at home, I'm not in love with my cymbal sounds because the room is a bedroom and there's a somewhat, there's some acoustic treatment up, but I haven't built the panels to finish out that room yet. But so I've learned that. So a lot of the tracks that I send off, I'll send cymbals separately and they're like, they'll get the tracks and they're like, wait, there's no cymbals. And I'm like, yeah, it's in the other folder. And they're like, what? Are you yeah. tracking cymbals separately? Yeah. So I'll leave everything up. I'll leave this, the cymbals up while I'm tracking, but I'll usually only play like hi-hat as the only cymbal. And then I'll record the crashes separately because they just like, one producer told me it like really took the mix over when I sent him some tracks. And then he had me separate them out. And as soon as he did that, he sent me the final product like a week later. And I was like, oh my God, yeah. that made a huge difference. And they don't sound separate but they were controllable. And then the engineer or producer can take them and make the crashes as loud as they want without turning the drums down. It's so funny. Like we had this, when I interviewed Jerry Murata, we were talking about that when yeah. he was working on the second, third mm-hmm. Peter Gabriel record. Oh yeah. It's not a secret. Yeah. The symbol yeah. separate. It's been around for a long time. Right. But right. I figured that out from my room and I've started doing it and people have been liking it, but also I don't do it every time. There's some songs that, I'm like, no, it needs to just be in the 
uh-huh. in the track, yeah. in the straight up. I want to ask you about your setup, but before we get too far off this space. Sorry, I'm all over the place. No, this I'm is like, good. <laughs> I love it. This is amazing. I, I felt like there was an overarching theme that I wanted to get to with you, and you've, you got to it. Cool. You got to it for sure um, before I was able to steer you there. <laughs> That's good. Um, I need steering I figured sometimes. you out, man. I figured you out. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> space sometimes gets confused with a lack of creativity, a lack of um, energy, but how do you concentrate on tone and space without being boring or flat in your approach? Damn, that's a good question. I don't even know if I can. I'm asking, I'm asking I'm like, for oh. a friend. <laughs> <laughs> um, how do I create space without being boring? So basically, how do I like... Not- let, me use it, let, me, let me give you an example. So we've got great kick and snare sounds, and we're going to play this song, and they've got the acoustic guitar and the songwriters in here. Now that may be what's at, what's called for, right? And we've heard Steve Jordan do that, yeah, all throughout the whole song, yes. And it's beautiful and wonderful. But then when the fourth song, fifth song on the record that you're working on comes around, and it still feels like it needs to be there, mm-hmm. but you, there's got to be something else. There's got to be some, so I'm, I hear maybe a loop or something that you're doing on Instagram or something that you've done with Devin. And, and I, I'm like, okay, he could have played just straight. Yeah. But he off, he throws in something there, a hi-hat open, uh, an off snare hit. Right. No bass drum. Yeah. Something that... Kind of throws the listener in a little way. It Maybe. doesn't take away. It no, does no, no. Throw, it does. It it, it it makes the listener perk up. I yeah, mean, exactly. Not throw. That's the a big, way. What was the big single that Devin? All on me. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what, simple, simple groove, simple song. Yeah, but there's that in the chorus, the end of the chorus. I mean, that when I first heard that song a couple years ago, ba 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 ba. Yeah. I'm like, like just over the bar line, heviola mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yep. I'm like. What's that? Yeah. That's cool. I, it's funny. I forget about that. You, you were like at the end of the course and I was like, was it the end of the course? <laughs> I was like, uh. but that's an example. That may not be an example, but that's an, that's an example of like something that you're going, that's what made, made me perk up yeah. as a musician. Listen to what was happening in this right. new song. Right. But a lot of times something to think about is I don't even know if I came up with that. So we obviously, we made the song together and, mm-hmm. but at the same time, like it could have been Devin, I could have heard him play it acoustically. And all of a sudden I was like, he played baby put it all on. And I was like, Oh, I'm going to catch all those. Yeah. But it wasn't, he may have, I think I'm pretty sure he did play it like that before. And then I was like, Oh, I'm just going to catch him with him. Well, and that it just became it, it, the thing that, that might be a bad example of, of this, the space idea that we're, but that okay. was, that was something that kind of. Musically, that made me put yeah. my ears up. So I'm going from your senior recital to what I hear now. Okay. And there is space. Yes. And there is some simplicity, but there's more things. There's more things to latch onto. There's more musicality. There's more, like, make me as a drummer and a musician perk up and go, that's cool. Good yeah. choice. And it could be just one hit. It could be one thing. Yeah. But it's it finding that, 
you know, finding that perfect spot to put it in. Right. I'm always searching for that though. There's, there's never like a, I I don't like, I do practice that, but not really. That mostly just comes from listening to drummers and music and just being informed musically and always like searching for those moments. And then, I mean, a lot of it comes from playing the songs for months at a time. Like before we recorded Devin's first record, we played most of the songs for probably six months out at shows and at rehearsals. And then we went into the studio and then Jay tore us all apart and it was amazing. <laughs> it was such a great experience, but yeah. it was easier to find those moments because we knew the song so in and out, yeah. like top to bottom. There was no, like we weren't, we didn't think we were missing anything, but then to have an outside source like Jay come in and be like, okay, try this. And it was like, Oh, I never thought to do it like that. Or being like, okay, now the song sounds like this. Now, how can I make it? How can I put like a little mark on it? Or if I just heard it while we were going down one of the takes, I'd be like, Ooh, I'm going to try that. And if it worked, everyone would be like, Whoa, that was really cool. And then it would become the thing or I would try it. and It would be terrible. And I'd be like, I'm so sorry. Can I get another take? (laughs) But yeah, that, that for Devin's album specifically, that is kind of where I think I found a lot of the space in it. But when it comes to the playing, like in general, I th- yeah, and I hear things like on your Instagram, yeah, playing and this the, the deliberate choices to make, right, to to leave space, yeah, to to let let the groove breathe, to let the the loop come in, right, and say, hey, remember this loop mm-hmm. that I was playing over, yeah, this is where this happens, yeah, and then there's the loop and here's me with it. I wonder if that almost stems from me seeing so many Instagram drummers just chopping out and going crazy. And that's just never been my thing. And it's, I'm not dogging it at all. I'm just, I think it's cool, but I think I've always been into groove and I've always been into how good can I make something feel? So I try to find that balance of, I want to do something flashy right here, but then I want to like pull it back and go back to the groove Mm -hmm. and like remind everyone like, I can still groove. I'm not just chopping. I promise. <laughs> That's great. But I, through college specifically, I really told my teachers, like the one thing I really want to get better at is groove. And they all were very cool with, cool with that, obviously, because they're like, that's actually what's going to get you work. And they would try to teach me jazz and I would love it. I mean, I don't know if I'd love it, but I would do it and I would get okay at it. But then I would always want to be like, okay, like how do we, how do I groove better? But then I started to realize like playing jazz and playing funk and all the styles helps your groove. Like let's say you're playing a country beat. If you really think about it, the groove that you played back in your sophomore year of college, the jazz standard blues, whatever, that's going to translate whether you know it or like it or not. It's going to swing or it's not. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's it's going to help you in some way and it's eventually going to come around and you're going to be like, Oh, I can do that. Yeah. Or it's going to help find the space within a simple country two and four groove. Right. Or a train beat. I think people taking certain styles and grooves for granted and thinking, Oh, that's easy. Oh no, 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 no groove is easy. Yeah. Because everyone can play it so differently. Right. You can watch Steve Jordan play a train beat and you can watch, Eddie Bears play a train beat and it's obviously completely different. They're both yeah. playing a train beat though. Yeah. But they both will feel like them. Exactly. You'll hear one and you'll go, 
that sounds like Steve Jordan playing a train beat. Like that's <laughs> interesting, but I'm sure he could kill it. I'm, I think I've heard him on a couple country records and been like, that's Steve Jordan. Like, yeah. but then it's like, yeah, that's Steve Jordan. Like he's playing country and he can do it. Yeah. But then you could see someone like Eddie Bear's playing a train beat and you'd be like, whoa, like right. that's like classic. Mm-hmm. Like, damn. Right, right, right. So it's just cool. Yeah. What's your setup at home? Setup at home. So like drums or recording? Both. Both. Start with drums. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I am DW endorsed. Yeah. So sorry, DW, but I play Ludwig's at home. <laughs> um, no, I've talked to them about it and yeah. they just mainly want me to play out live with DWs. That's, they're like mainly just, if you're being seen out, that's when we want it. But I feel bad because a lot of my Instagram videos get seen. Right. And I'm like, so I'm really trying to, I'm trying to build a kit with them that can do like a more vintage, modern-esque thing. Sure. But yeah, those white Ludwigs that I have at home, they're 66. Okay. They're straight up. Um, I think they're the three ply. I don't really know. Yeah. Um, I found them on Instagram or not Instagram on Craigslist. Nice. Someone was selling them super cheap. They've been like drilled and they put a couple different mounts on them and they're just, they're a player's kit. And I was like, I don't care. I'll just buy them. And I didn't even hear him. I picked him up from a guy in a parking lot and was just, I didn't even hit him. I was like, cool, they'll be fine. That's awesome. So yeah, I've had those for years, probably five or six now, maybe five Mm -hmm. years. It's not that long, but (laughs) not as old as they are. But um, yeah, yeah. So that's kind of what I use at home. Uh It's like a 2214 kick, 139 Tom and 1616 Tom. Well, as far as like recording stuff, you, you were talking a little bit about mics before. Yeah. So I change mics a lot. Um, mm-hmm. I like to change mics because okay. it's fun. Some mics just have a different color. Um, yeah. But I, I use 57s on toms for a long time, and I still will go back to that. But um, I've recently been using D1000Es, AKGs. Okay. They're these old AKG mics. They're silver, and they look weird. I don't know. One of my friends showed me one. He like got one, and he's like, yeah, I put it on a tom, and it sounded great, so I went and bought three. <laughs> I was like, I just started scouring eBay one day and I was like, I'm going to find these. And I got each of them for like 60, 70 bucks. So yeah, not bad at all. But they have like a really cool EQ curve, like a mid-range bump. But um, they have like a switch on them that you can start to cut off low end, which is really cool for some things. But um, yeah, they just have an interesting sound. Um, Nice and warm. They're definitely old. But each of them sound different, I've learned. Because they all three came from literally different corners of the U.S. One came from New York, one came from California, and one came from like Montana or something. I was like, what the heck? <laughs> so they're all different. One of them smells like cigarettes. One of them is pristinely clean, and the other one has definitely been thrown across a room. It's really cool. So they all sound really different. But I'll switch those out, depending. Yeah. Like I found the one with cigarettes really sounds good on the tom, the floor tom. <laughs> I don't know you why. You pick it up and smell it. Yeah, this is the one. This is the cigarette one. Yeah, the floor time <laughs> one. There you go. I don't know why. It's just, that's, that's where I started to put that one. Um, this is a smoky tone yeah. to it. Yeah, it's This it's is a all, really clean tone. It's all BS. It's, I'm just, just, who knows? I'm just associating and I think it sounds better. Yeah, right. That's one thing I've always kind of noticed. I'm like, I think it sounds better. Oh, <laughs> But I think it's really cool that you, you you're using some music to kind of help direct you, yeah, into the tones. Yeah, but yeah. so other gear recently, I've been using an SM7B on snare on top. Yeah, I don't know. It's different. It sounds really similar to an SM57. It's just a little different. Yeah, I don't even know how to explain it. 
I just sounds fine to me. Are you miking top and bottom? Yes. Yeah. On bottom, just the 57. Okay. And then kick, I'm using the, oh my gosh. I just forgot. It's brand new mic. Uh, we'll come back to that. I use three mics on kick right now. Really? Yeah. I use one, like a condenser, like an old MXL condenser. Not old, just a crappy, whatever. And I use that for kind of an out kick mic, but I put it about almost two feet from the kick to get that extended bass tone. So, because bass frequencies, I don't know if you know frequency at all, but like they take longer to develop. So I've experimented and moved it back and forth to finally figure out where that kick in this room specifically, what length it works at. Okay. Use that. And then I use a sub kick, the Solomon. Oh yeah. Which is great. Yeah. So but basically the two outside mics, the Solomon and the MXL, they both are like a sub kick, but I almost treat the middle one as the mid range low end. And then the Solomon, I filter all the way off to like 150, even lower. So it's just sub because yeah. that's all it needs to do Yeah, when you have the other kick mic with it. Yeah. Um, I, I can't remember the inside one. It's going to piss me off. How far is the inside one? Where is that? How far in? Yeah. In, right inside the hole. Okay. Yeah. I don't go too far in yeah. um, because the further it goes in, it just, I don't love a click, like a clicky kick drum. I don't mind it for some stuff, but it just, it's not as usable to me i don't know you talked a little bit about working with jay joyce can you okay. tell us about that experience yeah he's a crazy man <laughs> thanks I, and moving on and moving on that's it he's crazy and uh, no he's not crazy he's i mean he is crazy but that's hard to explain but so so he jay is. joyce producers worked with artists wallflowers emmylou harris patty griffin uh cage the elephant eric church zach brown band little big town and played guitar with crowded house and mm-hmm. that was how freaking cool is that? Right. Yeah. He's, he's a freak of nature that, that guy, I've never seen anyone produce as much music as often as he does. I mean, so we actually funny enough, just got pretty much finished cutting Devin's second record with Jay. So hopefully we'll get to start hearing some of that soon. But, yeah. um, the last three months for Jay were consisted of finishing up the, uh, maybe four months, con- finishing up the Miranda Lambert record finishing our record starting with Eric church. They've recorded, I want to say 39 songs while they uprooted his entire studio, took it to North Carolina to do all that. Oh my gosh. And then brought it back. And now they're working on the brothers Osborne new record. Yeah. Did he, did he produce the last brothers Osborne he did. record? Both of them. Yeah. Oh yeah. Port St. Joe and the, oh, what the, what's the first one called? Is it just self-titled? I'm not sure. Yeah. But that first record was, unbelievable yeah yeah i love it yeah i think it sounds great so yeah he's he's nuts and he's one of the most i don't even know how to explain it he's one of the most just talented producers i've ever worked with but he's very outside the box he's not you don't walk in and you're like all right we're gonna cut three songs today and we're gonna be done by lunch no we're doing one song a day i know and it's a whole day We'll get in at usually 11 because we all like to sleep in, <laughs> including him. Um, and then I like that. we'll start, we'll kind of play the song that we decide to work on that day and we'll play it down a few times, kind of get a vibe, get going on it get everyone warmed up and in the right headspace. And then usually we'll start to kind of pick it apart. He'll cut sections or he'll make us do something weird or he'll be like, all right, 
screw this, move the drum set out in the middle of the room. We're going to mic it here and we're going to put it on top of a piano. Like, I don't, it's great. Like just nuts stuff that you're just like, you just have to be open and ready to do anything. Yeah. I mean, I would not have been surprised if he put a bass or a guitar in my hand and been like, play this. I'd have been like, okay, I don't know what you want me to do with this, but I feel like he's always kind of got a master plan in his head that we don't always understand. But um, he's very hard on his musicians. Very, very hard because he likes to use bands. But when using bands, you're not always going to be the A-list session guy that can just walk in and kill it. The first record we did with Devin, we were all super young and super green. None of us had ever done a record like that before. And I mean, he tore us apart. I mean, there was one day I walked out crying. I mean, it was crazy. It was cool. I know I'm not the only drummer that he's made cry to. <laughs> That's a, like, I'm not, I'm not embarrassed of it. Sure. I mean, when it happened, I was extremely embarrassed, but it's cause he just, he just berates you and just gets under your skin and he's just like, play it right, play it right, play it right, play it right. And you're just like, Oh my God, I'm trying to play it right. But you want me to play this weird thing with this weird stick in my hand that you want me to hit a crash at this weird thing. And I'm just like, ah, just overwhelming. And then all of a sudden you hear the product and you're like, Oh my God. I had no idea I could do that. And then it's, it kind of all makes sense. You're all of a sudden like, oh, he's pushing me to be an incredible musician and he knows that we all can be. Yeah. So I try to look at it that way when I'm getting berated and I'm like, it's okay, it's okay. I know I want to get mad. I know I want to be frustrated, but it's like just push through and you, you, all of a sudden you'll see the worth in it. Yeah. And you'll see the end product and be so pumped. <laughs> But I think that's a level of maturity that it's it's like almost like a rite of passage you have to go through. You have to. Yeah. It's confusing, and you don't understand why somebody is is because there are different. Well, there's band leaders and producers and teachers that that use this method to get the end result. Right. And I worked with people in Columbus that were like that, and even in Nashville when I was younger and I kept telling myself, you know what, learn how to deal with this. Yeah. Because there's going to be situations that you're going to want to be a part of Mm -hmm. where the person, the personality, their method is going to be strenuous. But if you can keep it together and grow from it, then at the end of the day, like you said, you've got this amazing recording. Yeah. And, Jay's going, Kit puts up with my shit, yeah. and he gets the end result. He's may take him a while, but he gets there. <laughs> but, but, but For the first how, record, at least. But you, there's no way you would be able to move through the second record, I'm guessing, quicker? or uh, Much quicker, quicker, I think. Well, you're still a song a day. You, uh, some of the days we did two, but this depended. But I imagine the experience is, is it different? This time around, yeah, I think so. Uh, there was a level of comfortability that came along with the second record. Yeah. That was, a, it was a little different. I was like, oh, we've all been here before. Yep. But that also kind of stemmed a little, not bad, not, I don't want to say it's a bad attitude, but it stemmed a um, too comfortable. Everyone was a little too comfortable. And it, it came out in the playing. Oh, wow. So that was not a bad thing. We figured it out and we got through it. And yeah. But there was definitely a day where, 
Jay was screaming at all of us to be like, come on guys. Like, what is this? Like, this isn't the first, this isn't the band that we cut the first record with. Like, come on. He's like, I know you guys are all, and he, he knows we're all way better than we were on the first record. Mm -hmm. But he was like, you guys aren't playing like the band I cut on the first record, which was like an interesting thing. I'm pretty sure he said something like that, but yeah, it was the main thing he kept saying was he wanted us to transcend. That was the word he kept saying. He was like, transcend above the music. And it was, we were all looking at each other like, what the <laughs> hell is he talking about? Like, do we need to like take some drugs and figure this out? Like, yeah. I don't know. Like, that's a terrible thing to say. Sorry. <laughs> but at the same time, it was like, what, what does he want from us? And then one day, I think we played the same song, like, I don't know, 60 or 70 times. I don't even know. Uh-huh. I felt bad. I felt wor- the worst for Devin because Devin sang it every time with us because Devin is a, beast and he was like i'm not gonna sit on the couch and play on my phone and watch my band get berated Mm -hmm. he was like i'm gonna sing it with y'all every fucking time and i was like my boy yeah but at the end of it he was like i can't even like talk (laughs) so then he had to cut vocals the next couple days and it was like so that he's he's crazy but eventually we started to actually transcend and it was like oh my god the main, the main thing you could hear is that it got louder without being louder. It's really hard to explain without being in the room and hearing it, but we were all playing and all of a sudden like we would do a take and I'd be like, that felt louder. Mm -hmm. I'm not playing louder. No one's changed levels, Mm -hmm. but all of a sudden the unit started playing like the same and like in the same sonic realm. And it was just like, very and it's very heady of me to think this way, but it was it was like, oh my gosh! And then he plays the recordings back, and it's legitimately louder. It's like, how did we do that? No one played differently. I wasn't playing louder. If anything, I was playing softer. Yeah. So it was like, holy crap! That's what he's talking about. I'm not saying that it needs to sound louder, but there was just this energy with these couple last takes that there was like he was like, okay, we finally got it. And we all looked at each other like, what do you mean we finally got it? He like, we listened and we're like, oh my God, we did get it. We didn't even realize it was happening. Yeah. You transcended. Maybe there was a physical and a mental exhaustion. Yeah. That shut that part of your brain off. Exactly. And allowed you to just make music. Yeah. And stop thinking. Yes. We're all thinkers. We're all like, we all want to be great musicians and we all want to be studio musicians that have all the answers and can play all the right stuff. But sometimes all this all the really talented, great studio musicians, they don't think they just walk in and they just do what they know. And that's, they all transcend over the music. Do you remember anything drummy drum that Jay asked you to do that? Then you're like, Oh, that's great. I'm, I'm going to be using this from now on. So I don't hit the symbols the same way anymore. Explain that. Um, definitely just softer, lighter Mm -hmm. in general, um, because he uses so much compression that if you hit the symbols like a normal symbol, just takes off. It didn't like swallows the whole mix. Yeah. Um, Many of the hi hats though is the main thing. Sure. He really likes to use new beats, fourteen inch, sixties or seventies new beats. So loud. Uh, yeah, they're like the loudest <laughs> freaking hi hats I've ever played in my life. But all those Eric Church records, all of those most, I would say like ninety percent of his records are the hi hats that we used on both of the new record, oh, uh, the gosh. new record and the old record. And we rarely change hi-hats every now and then. Yep. 
I went and bought a pair immediately. I was like, gotta go get them. So what about all this like 15, 16, 18 inch dark, crazy ass? We use some of it. Not much though. There's a few songs. A few songs really do call for it. Yeah. Like, um, I don't even know which song it would be, but yeah, it's symbols mainly. Um, how, how I hit the symbols. He really just wants you to hit him not hard. And with a lot of like touch and purpose. Yeah. Especially the hi-hats. So that was where I really learned a lot of hi-hat stuff. I was like, oh, I'm just hitting the hi-hats like a drummer, not like a musician. Okay. Got to gotta do some research into that. So I, he had me listening to all sorts of drummers. He would just he'd pull me in his office, smoking a cigarette. He'd be like, hold his phone up to my face. And he'd be like, listen to this. It's just the sweetest, best hi-hat group I've ever heard. I'm like, fuck is this like what i've never heard of the person in my life i'm like how are you finding all these people but it's he just had years of mm-hmm. knowing the industry and the musicians what did you do differently um mainly with hi-hat in general is just be very purposeful so don't treat the hi-hat like a timekeeper keep treat it like a part like make a part for the hi-hat whether it's just two and four play it like a part don't play it like you're just just don't like play it like normal. Yeah. That's just with him though. A lot of producers would be like, get that shit out of here. So you have to know different producers. Of course. Um, specifically, have you heard the song by little big town? Um, California, lost in California. I don't think so. Okay. So it's Hubert Payne playing the drums. Oh, great. Freaking love Hubert. Yeah. 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 Um, so he did that record with little big town and he did their newest record, but that wasn't with Jay. If you didn't know that, okay. okay. <laughs> uh, but Lost in California, I want to say it's the third song on the Breaker. Yeah. So his hi hats specifically, if you listen to it, it's a part. Yeah. And if you, you really dig, you're like, oh my gosh, like it's all these crazy accents and this stuff in it, but it doesn't take away. It just adds. These are things that I love about these conversations. I feel like I can use this stuff like right away. Yeah. Um, Very current. Yeah, yeah. So I want to ask you about Instagram Ooh. and your use of social media. Ooh. Instagram. What, like, how did you get started doing? Why, why, why are you doing it? Um, so I got started in college, probably into college, really. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm having to like think about this. I haven't really thought like when I started. It probably was like junior year of college. Yeah. Um, I started to just made an Instagram account one day. I was just like scrolling through whatever. I, Instagram wasn't like a big thing when we right. first all got on it. But then I started noticing drummers putting up videos, like 15 second clips. And I'm like, I can do that. Mm-hmm. But then I really started noticing drummers getting work from it. And that's what really, like I never really like got on it. I would post a video here and there and like, Oh, like whatever. Wouldn't do anything to get it noticed or any attention on it. But then all of a sudden, I started like hearing about people getting gigs and getting sessions from being on Instagram. And I was like, I can do that. Like this is, it's, it's right in front of me. Like why, why not even, why not try? Yeah. It's like, I can at least put it out there. And if someone likes it, great. If someone doesn't, oh, well, no harm, no foul. Right. But, um, yeah, so that I, I really mainly use it as a way to get connected, not only with other producers and engineers and, whatever, but drummers, because we have this community in Nashville that's so, so tight knit that 
I didn't really know about for a long time until Instagram, honestly. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden I started meeting all these guys and people were like, let's get coffee and like, let's hang out, let's get a beer, like blah, 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 blah. And all of a sudden I like look back and I'm like, I was actually trying to go through my Instagram and I was like, I feel like I need to unfollow some people. Like I probably have followed some people that I don't really need to be. And I was going through and I couldn't find one. I was like, I know all of these people, whether I've met them in person, whether I've hung out with them, whether I've just talked to them or whether they just like my stuff. I'm like, I know almost, I would say 90% of the people that I follow, which is really cool because I follow like 1,100 people, which is nuts to think about. But at the same time, it's like I follow a lot of drummers from LA and New York and Ohio or wherever and Nashville. And we all know each other. Yeah. But we're all so disconnected, but all connected through this one social media platform. But then I've actually gotten a lot of work from my Instagram. That's what I was going to ask you. Like, has it translated into work? It has. It actually has. And people used to give me crap when I first started doing it. I was, I feel a little earlier than a lot of people with doing hashtags. Mm-hmm. So I, no, I wasn't the first by any means, mm-hmm. but I caught on a little quicker because I know because all my friends were giving me crap for it. They were like, oh, there's Kip with all his hashtags. And I'm like, uh-huh. Yeah. You, you just watch, <laughs> watch this. And they'd be like, why did your video get so much more attention than mine? And I'm like, I'm hashtagging. Like, that's the only reason. I hashtag drums. And all of a sudden, people are like, oh, hashtag drums. What's this? And they're just scrolling through the browse of the Discover and they'll stumble across me and they might give me a follow, they might give me a like, a comment, whatever. That's great. But every now and then, you'll have the producer that's from London that's scrolling through going, I like the way this guy sounds. I'm gonna hit him up and see what he charges. And I've worked with a producer from London now for two or three years. Yeah. Um, I met some great friends that I now drum for. He lives here, he's from Scotland, and he moved here. And when he moved here, he was, he hit me up. I was one of the first people he hit up Two actually, actually two friends from Scotland now. Um, and they both met me through Instagram. That's amazing. And one of them is an artist that I play for. And I've recorded on a lot of his stuff. And actually Aaron recorded his second to last single. And then I recorded his most recent single. So it was funny. I was like messaging him and I was like, ah, I beat you. (laughs) No, not really. But I was like, that's so cool. Like, yeah how like cool that like I want to be in that same ring with Aaron and then all of a sudden I'm in it but it was through Instagram if you really like go back to the beginning of like how did I get there it's like oh it's because I was hustling on Instagram and posting videos and taking up a lot of time to make my page or content look good or yeah. sound good right, right or so sound good I'm not as worried about the looking thing <laughs> I don't I have a decent camera it's fine and yeah a lot of people would be like, oh, you need a better camera. You need more angles. And I'm like, do I though? That's not what I'm into. Well, you're, you're, but I mean, there's, there are clips that like, they average around 40 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. Not they long. Get, they get the point across. Exactly. And then you can, I mean, was that intentional? Yes. I'm not a cover guy. I don't want to do the three and a half minute cover. I, I mean, I think I have before. I think I have one up still, but I just like, yeah, I don't know. It just doesn't, it doesn't interest me as much as just putting out like a little blurb of something. And then hopefully that stemming some work that I can go work on some real music yeah. with people. Cause working on music alone is to me is it's cool and it's fun, but it's not as fun as getting to really share 
this us like making a song come to life with a group of people. Yeah, right. That is so special to me, and it always has been. Right. And every and I make music a lot on my own. I do obviously. I've said a lot of writing and a lot of producing, but every time I get to do it with people, I'm like, oh, that's so much better. Like it's. It, it so fires many, a different part of your brain yeah. and the collaboration. More ideas pulls. pop out. Exactly. The song actually goes in a direction that you were like, I did not expect that to go there. And if I was alone, it would not have gone there. Yeah. It would have gone the direction I thought it was going to go. Yeah. yeah. So that's, a, that's great. I mean, that it, it's so interesting how, just how we communicate and how we find work yeah. has changed. And I think it's, if, if you want to work, if you want to remain relevant and you want to stay busy, you have to, find out what it is that's working yeah. for people. Speaking of being relevant, heard of TikTok? <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, TikTok is, is a thing. I don't know how, if drumming is going to be a thing on it, but yeah. I've posted a few videos just to try to stay ahead. And I mean, no shame. I don't know. It yeah, may yeah, work, yeah. it may not. But yeah. I will say mostly TikTok right now is all comedy and it's all like funny, but that's how Instagram started. Instagram was kind of more content. What other platforms, where do you see them going? Uh, like Twitter, YouTube, Facebook? I, I don't know. I, I'm not like, I'm not good at reading uh-huh. where these things are going to go. Like, I, I was think just, you are, man. I, I, was, I think I was lucky with Instagram, <laughs> but, but people were already getting a lot of attention and traction. And if you aren't Instagram. good at it, then I'm not good. <laughs> I'm even worse. But they were already getting all this attention and traction on Instagram when I got on. So I was like, okay, cool. It's working for people. It can work for me. Yeah. But as of being like a forefront person for like TikTok, I know there's a lot of people already doing it and they're already being successful. But to me, it's not the way I want to do it because the way they're being successful isn't about like the, the main subject of their videos isn't about drums. It's not about tones. It's not about working. It's about, I'm going to let my drumsticks on fire. Sorry, Cooper drummer, but you know what I mean? Like it's, that's what TikTok is right now. It's very entertainment. It's people want to see you do something crazy. People want to see you put a stick through your snare drum. Like right. just through, right. I don't know. They want to, they want entertainment. They want shock value, mm-hmm. which is interesting going through that with like, I have a few friends that are actually kind of successful on TikTok already, but they're not like doing, they're not drummers. But, um, most of the videos are not what you would think they would okay. be doing. It's, it's interesting. This episode is brought to you by DrumSellers.com, the niche marketplace where drummers, drum retailers, and drum manufacturers buy and sell their gear. List your drums for sale for free, and the only fee is 4% if it sells. Simple. Check out all the new used vintage and custom drum eye candy at DrumSellers.com. One of the videos you did, you well, you did like these back-to-back videos, like here's with samples, here's yeah. without samples. I could tell you about that too. <laughs> yeah, no, because I've been getting into sample, uh, doing some sample library stuff recently, and uh, friends of mine have been helping me trying to kind of navigate that whole thing and how mm. it can uh, be really a, a useful tool yes. in recording at home. It's a tool to me. Yeah, so to, uh, I'd like to get your thoughts on, yeah. on that. I don't mind samples at all. I normally don't use samples, which is why I did the back-to-back videos to kind of show people like, hey, I'm using samples. Here's without, here's with. Yeah. And here's how subtly you can put them in. Yes. Like, because I think the first video I did, it was like 
pretty subtle. Like, I mean, it's like, I mean, it's obvious I'm using samples in the second one, but I wanted to make it obvious, but it's hard to explain. But so basically Joey Sturgis was the guy that made those samples. Um, the first, the first video I did was the Dave Otero samples and they're metal producers. Wow. They hit me up on Instagram. They're like, Hey, we would love if you would use our samples in a video. We'd like, love your videos, love your sounds. Yeah. Love to see what you would do with them. Yeah. And I was like, Okay, cool. Hence the side by side A B thing. Yeah, because um, it's more of like informative to me and like educational rather than like here's just the samples, but no one knows how I changed my drum sound with the samples. Right. No, it it was really cool to to hear the difference and and it's like well, there's not one that's better over the other. They're just they're different. They're just different. And and I mean, if if anything, I would say well, he's getting some really great tones without them. Yeah. That's the point. But if need if needed, you can hear where yeah. it changes. Yeah, and what's really cool about using samples in that mindset too is that if I was tracking metal, it really cleans up a lot of bleed and a mm-hmm. lot of what I call is like smeary drums. It's like very drums can sound smeary because there's a lot of bleed within each tom mic and the snare mic and the bottom snare mic and whatever. But that's also what can create a sonically glued together drum sound. It, it, yeah, sorry to cut you off, but no, I, mean, no. I feel like that, that is a thing. You know, everyone talks about like the drum set when you record it, it is a, it's one instrument. It's like all the mics are on. It's like, but there's different applications and different kinds of music where Absolutely. sometimes you don't want that Tom mic to be ringing for the whole freaking song. <laughs> Almost never. <laughs> yeah. Almost never. Yeah. yeah. That I always, I always pre-fade my Tom mics yeah. before I send them off. Cause I'm like, I'm, it's not even going to let them deal with it. Like, yeah, right. And most people are like, oh my God, thank you. You just saved me a little time. I'm like, gotcha. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> but yeah, there's always different applications for using samples. And I would say a lot of it has to do with metal uh, because metal is so tight and precise uh-huh. and they're going to want to pocket the living crap out of everything, most modern metal. Mm-hmm. So with samples, it cleans up all of that, that air around each mic, that bleed between each mic. So when you take all that out, I'm sure you notice in the video, it sounds like tighter and it sounds a little cleaner, Yeah, which is great, honestly, for a lot of applications. But the second video I did, I don't know if you noticed, I played more of a normal groove. I don't recall. It's okay. No, it's yeah, cool. Yeah. Uh, so I, tr- I actually took a Dan and Shay song because I was like, they were messaging me and they were like, yeah, like we just like what you did and it, like didn't make it so metal. Cause they're like all of our videos, all the guys were sending it to were metal and they were like, that's great. But they're like, that's why we sent it to you. And they sent it to a bunch of guys in Nashville actually. Mm-hmm. But, um, I didn't try to be metal. The first video I kind of like, I played a little, little heavier than I normally would, but mm-hmm. it was still on the side of my style of playing. Gotcha. But then the newest video, I think I took like, uh, the Dan and Shay song, like it's like alone together. I think it's off the new album. Okay. Super simple. It's four on the floor snare two and four 16 notes on the hi-hat open i mean it's like straight up the middle Mm -hmm. so i was like let me show people how you can make a country or a rock groove and use metal samples like and like make it sound good Mm -hmm. like to me i like i think i preferred the sampled one on that video that over the like regular one because i was like it just cleaned it all up and it sounded so much more direct and punchy but it also, they're all processed already. Yeah. That was the other thing with the difference is the first video, the ones that I posted aren't as processed as the samples coming through. 
So the samples have been mixed, who knows, to high hell, mastered probably through some great gear. I mean, mine's just all in logic, just going through my Apollo, getting some compression, and then I may, may have put a bus compressor at the end, something just to like glue it all together. Yeah. But it's interesting how it can, but it's quick. Like that's the main thing. It's very fast. Like if I was in a pinch and I was like, okay, I got to get these drums tracked and I have to put them in this song. If I was producing a song or if I got drums from someone, if I was mixing, I would be like, okay, I don't have time to make these sound incredible. So I'm just going to trigger them all, put these like nice aggressive drum tones in it. And it's instant. It's like you're instantly, you have a great drum sound. Time is money. And, and that's why and, people use samples because time is money. Yeah. Cause a lot of times when you get calls to do tracking, mm. they're like, hey, I need this tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, so things have to be try. I need this in an hour. Yeah. That's the fun one. <laughs> I love those because it like, it puts you under the gun and it's right. You're like screaming at your internet. She's like, I'm trying to in the pile. Crap. And it's like, really, they're not that rushed, but they just need it like soon. Yeah. But it's, I think it's really fun because I stay set up at home and I keep close to like, I mean, I change stuff if, if per song, depending on what mm-hmm. it needs. But a lot of times they don't need to be drastically changed. So I'm like, I've got all my EQs on. I've got everything I needed to do. Like I've worked this out days before. So now I can just sit down and play yeah, and not, not have to be the engineer and the player because that's what can be annoying having to do both. And that's why those practice sessions come in handy is because I don't have to be like so in depth with the, the you don't have to re set up new microphones yeah. and run all, because it's, it's, it's just, it's normal. It's, yeah. it's your day to day. It's yes. how you spend your time. Yes. Sure. I can sure. walk in and be like, okay, I can just be the drummer today. Just like I'm walking into a studio and the engineer is going to get sounds for me. Mm-hmm. I can just play yeah. and be in that mindset. That's great. So there's something to be said for that. Yeah. Because it's hard when you have to do both. And especially if you're in a time pinch, it's stressful. And then you don't play right. You don't play as well, maybe. It doesn't come off as natural. Yeah. And, and you, and it's definitely, yeah. I, I know what you're saying. Like, and your we, head's more worried about the sounds. I'm like, what's the computer doing? What's, what's going on over here? It's like, no, I've already worked that out. It's already I, need to, I, need to, I need to play. Be I creative. To, yeah. Think about the music. Think about what works. Yeah. Drumming-wise. So I try to separate those as best as I can. My last question is, where do you see yourself in like 20 years? 20 years? Yeah. Mm. See, that's hard because I don't really know where music's going to be in 20 years. That's the scary that's thing. That's a fair question. That's with, a fair answer, though. With, yeah. with drumming specifically. Because yeah. online drums have gotten so good. Or I mean, not online. Um, like... Stephen Slate and yeah, modern or what, I don't even know what the programs are called, but fake drums, yeah, yeah fake yeah. drums, program drums. There, mm-hmm. that <laughs> it's gotten so, it's gotten so good, and people are really starting to use it and make it sound real, to an extent. Which, but I'm saying in 20 years, I'm like, uh, if it's gotten that good this quick, I'm wondering what it, how good it's going to be in 20 years, mm-hmm. which definitely scares me as a drummer. But also, I don't, I don't know that it'll ever go away, mm-hmm. people wanting real drums. Yeah. I don't think it'll ever go away. I just don't know how big of a market it'll be. I don't know if there will be as much room for as many of us, which is, I'm just being real. Like, I'm not, of course. I'm not yeah. trying to, like, sugarcoat 
No. For anything, because there's no reason to. No, I think there's a lot of things to keep in mind. I mean, there was that scare in the 80s when drum machines came in. Oh, yeah. Oh, no more drummers. But see, the same thing, yeah. yeah. That's definitely, it, it happened once, and it's like, well, it's happening again. Is it going to stick around? Because it didn't the last time. It's so. almost like politics. I mean, the pendulum swings. Yeah. And so you had like 80s pop music with no Lin, real drummer. Lynn drums. <laughs> and then you had the 90s with very real drums. Yes. Just kind of counterbalancing it and people wanting that again. And I, I think it's just always going to pendulum. I think you're right. But I hope. <laughs> the, but the difference is, is, is you can get these real drum sounds, these real drum yes. things more. Like you knew it was a Lindrum. You knew yeah. you know that weren't, was fake drums. And and I think that that line is a lot blurrier now because yes. you have uh, real drummers getting fake sounds yeah. with acoustic drums and samples and electronic drums sounding like real drummers. It, that line is right. so blurred. Um, but positioning yourself in a way that uh, allows you to wear many different hats yeah. as a writer, as a producer, mm-hmm. as a as a drummer that's aware of the trends and changes, I right. think is really going to be helpful. Yeah, that's the know? goal. Yeah, I mean, honestly, the end. I, I think the end goal for me is I love touring. Like it's one of the most fun things I've ever you done do now, but in 20 years, I don't know if I'm going <laughs> to love touring as much as I like it now. I'm young. I'm excited now, but yeah, I mean, I can definitely tell that our, my body won't hold up as long as I want it to. Obviously it never does. Yeah. And then I'm going to be like, crap, what do I do? But with that's the goal with writing and producing is that that and recording drums is that can kind of keep me home and a little more balanced. And eventually, I mean, I want to have kids. I want to have, yeah. family like you're engaged yes so do you have and, and if this is too personal uh, no no, no know. Dude. do you uh, and you guys been dating for five years yeah i think like five and a half something okay. like that i mean she knows this is who you are this oh is yeah what you do oh she's an artist as well okay. yeah she's killer yeah shoot she'll probably she'll probably get bigger than me and i'll love it i'll be like <laughs> i'll be the stay-at-home dad on the tour bus with the kids like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll be like, I'll feed them. I'll change their diapers. It's cool. You, yeah. you go ahead. That's awesome. <laughs> so she gets, she understands that. Yes. Okay. She's very understanding and she's very patient. I don't know. I can't count the number of times that we've made plans and I'm like, honey, I got this call and I, oh, okay. Yeah, do it. Got to do With it. With a few yeah. exceptions. Yeah. Oh, you always. know, she's like, no, this is like, this is our life. And it's not always great. Mm-mm. It's not. And sometimes it can be very frustrating. Um, but she understands that sometimes there's opportunities that are around the corner that you can't even anticipate. No. But yeah. you po- you set yourself up. You're you, poised to yeah. accept those responsibilities. That's why I, 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 the, I've enjoyed this conversation so much, man, because I feel like you've really demonstrated a willingness to put yourself in a position that's ready for anything yes. and look and, and being forward thinking and looking mm-hmm. and saying, this is what I have to do to be ready for whatever comes down yeah. the path. Absolutely. Yeah. It's great. It's exciting times. Yeah. I think so. Everyone's all worried right now about all this stuff. I'm just like, oh, this, we're, we're alive. We're doing it. Yeah. yeah. We, hopefully we have tomorrow and we'll just keep going. Yeah. Well, there's other things to worry about. Yeah. And hopefully 
if you start a family and as things grow, yeah. then, then you'll have more to worry about. More to worry about. There always is more to worry about. <laughs> Don't let music and all these other wonderful things be a part of that. Right. Yeah. Man, I can't thank you enough for um, working this out with us last minute and yeah, being absolutely. here. It's just so much great stuff. And we've gone so much longer than I could have anticipated. Cool. I, I appreciate even, your patience. Honestly, didn't even realize it. <laughs> hey, man. Thank you. Always. Yeah. So there's my conversation with Kip Allen. Uh, the heart of what Kip does so well in his modern drumming, I think, is so applicable to what so many drummers are looking to do in creating really good sounds. We have to be producers, arrangers, part engineers, as well as drummers. And I feel like that as a 26-year-old, he encompasses all of these things and is a great example of how a modern drummer can stay busy in this business. I was inspired and enjoy watching his videos. I hope you all are inspired as well. Stay tuned next week for Zach Albetta's interview with Kahari Parker. He's a Chicago-based drummer and stays very busy, including working with George Benson. Put August 8th and 9th in your calendar here in Nashville. We will be part of the Music City Drum Show on Saturday the 8th. And then August 9th, Sunday afternoon, Working Drummer Podcast will be hosting a clinic with Mike Dawson and Near Z. Zach and I are very excited to be a part of this, and we will keep you informed as more information is available. But for now, put that in your calendar, August 8th and 9th. We would love to see you there. Thanks for listening, sharing, and spreading the word. I hope to see you around. Bye-bye.